Hello, everyone, and welcome to And There You Go, a podcast about life. Whether you're hanging from a cliff by one hand or laughing your ass off, we'll cover it all. And now your co-hosts, Addie and Chad. Hey. Hey, what? Great interpretive dancing. <laughs> you like that as we <laughs> yeah, were coming I, in. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Again, this is a, a an audio I realize medium, that. not a visual medium. <laughs> I was going to explain it. Oh, well, As please. the music came on. Please do. Chad did interpretive dancing to it. I did. I think to make me I'm laugh. a trained professional. Yeah, you are. Well, something. So we're in <laughs> we're in the doldrums of uh you know, the start, the cusp, the beginnings of what might be a long winter here. And we just went through daylight savings time, and I am kind of, like, down. Mm-hmm. You got something funny for me? Well, I've got all sorts of funny things because <laughs> I save them all the time. And you, you send them to, to me. Laugh. Yes. Yeah. Yes, you do. I do send some to you, mostly dad jokes to you, not the other stuff. You um, save the good stuff for you. <laughs> so there's a former Maytag repairman that makes news because his DNA test proved that he's fathered between 250 and 330 children. Oh, my God. You remember the whole Maytag repairman thing, right? Oh, sure. Yeah. Sure, yeah. I can imagine that probably did happen. Yeah, Santa Claus is going to be busy yeah. this year for that family. Well, he's going to go broke. What do you do? I know. I, I mean, I know what he did, but I mean, what do you, <laughs> what do yeah. you, what do, you do about it? Well, and then there's this guy who... Tried to rob a bank with a hot dog hidden in his pocket to look like a gun. Really? Uh-huh. It was in Los Angeles, and but he forgot that he didn't have the gun, and he was going to kind of scare the teller a little bit. Yeah. And he pulled out the hot dog. <laughs> so he was arrested. <laughs> so he was a real wiener. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. So our topic today is related to food. Yes, it is. Confectionary kind. Mm-hmm. And uh, you've got a story to, to kind of lead us into this. So, And this is a comical story, too. I've, I've heard a little bit uh, about it before, but why, yeah. don't, why don't you share that with us? Well, it was way back when I was five years old in kindergarten. And back then, kindergarten was like half days. And it wasn't in the public schools. I actually went to a church for kindergarten. Oh, really? I, that, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. And it really, now it should be still half days, I think. As a teacher, that's what I think. Yeah. Because kids get too tired at that age. They can't last that long. Good Lord, I get tired at my age. You I know. know. <laughs> I, I'd like to go half days. Yeah. So anyway, I loved my teacher. She was the best. And it was a fun class. I was really quiet, though. And mm. I just stuck to what I was told to do, and um, I was also an observer. So I saw things happening that not everybody necessarily saw right away. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was this little boy in the class who struggled, probably because he needed a nap. Probably, or sugar. Uh, well, no, he did not need sugar, okay. for, for absolutely sure. He didn't need that. It was like the upstairs brain and the downstairs brain weren't working together yet. Oh, okay. You know, and his little body would work faster than his brain would gotcha. process gotcha. things. Gotcha, yep. And so he got in trouble quite a bit, and I think he was holding it against the teacher. And one day, the teacher did something you don't do when you teach kindergarten, which is turn your back. Ever. But she did. 
Um, but I got to back up just a little bit and say that th- there was a little girl's birthday that okay. day. And so her mother brought in these cupcakes and they were put in the front on the table and all oh, the kids were so excited about it. And, and she brought enough so that the teacher had one too. And everything got passed out. We all got a cupcake and then there was a cupcake on the teacher's desk for her. And she turned her back. That's when she turned her back. Okay. Not a good plan. Uh, she turns around and puts her hands on her hips and says, who punched my cupcake? Oh, no. And I can only <laughs> imagine who. Yeah. Certainly yeah. wasn't you. No, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. In fact, he was so fast that I didn't even see him do it. But we all know who did it. Yeah. We all knew who did it. Did he have like? frosting on his knuckles was he sitting there licking his knuckles (laughs) no he was hiding his knuckles uh so the teacher was very upset and she'd had enough of his shenanigans shenanigans and she took him out into the hall and back then teachers parents whomever would say put your nose in the corner and you'd have to stand there with your nose in the corner which is horrible it is yeah i mean you that's shaming that's, I don't, I don't that's think awful. I've ever heard of that phrasing of that oh, but gosh. stand in the corner yeah I've yeah back then I guess I'm really old because it happened no comment <laughs> and then of course the class was horrified as well and but she was standing there watching him with his nose in the corner with her hands on her hips and so we were all creeping up to the door so that we could see him in the hall and he was crying and it was so sad but I, I was sad for the teacher, too, because her cupcake was punched. And so... Well, and that, that kind yeah. of... Yeah, we kind of picked up on that phrase, who punched your cupcake? Yeah. And meaning that, you know, you've, you've got this expectation of something happening. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, that expectation is destroyed at the hands of somebody else or a situation. And so we, we've come to, to, to use that, you know, like if, if I come home in a bad mood, you go, who punched your cupcake, Chad? <laughs> and then I'll have to tell you the story of what, what led to that. But uh, mm-hmm. so I, I think it'd be fun if we went through and we shared some stories about when your cupcake got punched mm-hmm. and when, and I, I mean, for both of us and not just you, I'm not going to single you out on this, but how we punched other people's cupcakes too, because we do it, whether intentional or not. Sure. You know. And getting your cupcake punched can just mean embarrassment as well by something that happened. Right, right. Like you're def- it deflates you. Right. You know, there's times when you can feel real cocky or, you know, so sure of yourself or so full of yourself, and somebody does something to just kind of whoop and... You know, there goes the deflation uh, of the ego. Like the, the teacher, you know, there was a disappointment there, too. You know, she had these expectations of of participating in the fun, you know, in, and being included like that, you know. Right. And, it's and like having some sugar. Sucker. It's like getting sucker punched. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But sometimes it's funny, too, though. It absolutely can you be know, funny. But sometimes it's, it's not so funny. Uh-huh. Uh, so do you have any examples right off the top of your head? Well, I just gave you one big example. Oh, well, excuse me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe I should take one. Yeah. Okay, so one time when I was young, 
I don't know why we're reminiscing here about our, our <laughs> past, but I was probably in um, late grade school, early junior high. And back then, it was really cool to have beer can collections. And so my buddy and I would go all over the neighborhoods, and uh, there were some wooded areas and different places where people would discard beer cans. And they, there were some that were really kind of creative, artistic-type labeling on the cans. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we'd go around and just scour everywhere we could to try to find beer cans. We both had beer can collections. And mine was in the garage. And it was, you know, they were all stacked uh, along the walls where there were the, the studs going up and down, you know. So they stacked nicely and neatly over there. And I was just, you know, some of them, you know, like Olympia, I remember was a brand that had like nature pictures and, you know, different uh, variations of uh, special cans and things like that. So if you found something really cool, it was like a big prize. It wasn't that I was glorifying beer drinking by any means. It was just more of an art kind of thing. Okay. But something to do, you know, something free that you could you could do. So mm-hmm. I went out to the garage one day, and I noticed my beer can collection, which was probably, you know, well over 100 cans, was gone. Was gone. Oh, no. And I it's like, I looked around the garage, and I couldn't find it anywhere. I couldn't find the cans anywhere. You know, I thought, okay, maybe in a bag or something like that. I went and talked to my dad and said, Dad, what happened to my, my beer can collection? Well, I threw it out. And I was just incredulous because he threw out this this hobby and this effort that I had put into finding these things. Yeah, granted, they're just beer cans, but, you know. That's a lot of when hours. You, when you curate that kind of collection, uh-huh. you know, uh, and, and you spend those hours with your buddies and, and going out and looking for these things, and to have them summarily discarded without any kind of um, advanced warning on my father's part, it's like, God dang it. You know, so right there, my cupcake got punched because somebody, I had this expectation that I was going to keep growing this can collection and I never did go back and restart it. Oh, it was that's just, too bad. It was just gone. Yeah. So that's one example. Not so happy. Hmm. I can think of a time when I taught first grade and, you know, when they're young like that, they're always wanting to know, how old are you? How old are you? <laughs> And, of course, I would never say how old I was. Instead, I'd I'd ask a question back and say, how old do you think I am? And when they're little like that, you get anything from 5 to 120. (laughs) They have no sense of that. And one little boy raised his hand and he said, I think you're 80. (laughs) 80. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, go on our website. I don't look 80. <laughs> no, not anymore. Uh, what? <laughs> Here's why I said, why do yeah, you think, why, why do you think I look 80 years old? And he said, because you have bangs. 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 Apparently old people have bangs. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> kind of punched my cupcake. Burst oh, my bubble. Burst your bubble. Yeah, because oh I looked 80, apparently. Wow. Yeah. Do you have bangs now? Or is I that what do. Yeah. I do have bangs. You don't right look now. 80. Thank you. Yeah, that kid was wrong. Okay, good. Summarily. So hopefully he grew out of that. <laughs> so looking in my adulthood, there was a time when I got my cupcake punched big time. I worked for uh, a large organization, a Fortune 500 company. 
mm-hmm. and I worked in market research, uh, doing market research for this organization within the marketing department. And I had done such a good job, and I worked really hard and uh, built some really cool programs and executed some really, really rock-solid projects that had high visibility. And at the end of the year, I had my review, and I I got, you know, just a glowing praise, and uh, I received a promotion, uh, received a real hefty raise, and received a bonus, which none of which I was expecting. And I thought, man, here we go. I'm, I'm in. I'm on this track now, and it's just going to propel me even farther, you know, along with my career and with this organization. And then about four months later, I get called into a conference room with a couple of other staffers, and my boss says, well, this isn't going to be a good day. Oh. Yeah. Don't and, you hate that? Yeah. And he said... We had to cut 50% of our department. There were about 80 people in the department, so 40 people got cut, and I was one of them. And so here I thought I had this career. I thought I was going to be there a long time. I loved the job. I really liked the company. I loved where things were going for me, and it was just yanked out for no other reason than budget cuts within the organization. And so. I suppose it probably depended on how long you'd been there. Is that part of it? Well, or? no, no, because there were newer people that were there. It was a financial thing. And, oh. you know, being being a pragmatic business person that I was at the time, I understood, I got it, but it didn't feel good, Mm-mm. right? It never feels good because, you know, I, I obviously was a value to them going through my review process and all of the uh, the things that uh, the rewards that I got for my performance but then when it comes down to it I'm really just nothing but a cog in the wheel uh, a number and you know you talked about you know your ego getting deflated yeah. well that that sucked the wind right out of me I'm sure you know so um, that was one that wasn't funny at all <laughs> so got your cupcake punch I big time. Well, I have a story that's maybe a little bit TMI. Okay. <laughs> but it's it's funny, I think, in a way. It wasn't funny at the time. but And you're a guy, so you maybe won't understand this, but you'll get a visual. <laughs> I, I went in for a mammogram. Okay. <laughs> Mammograms are never fun. I've heard that. Yeah. 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 Uh, they, they squeeze you. They, <laughs> it's like the big squeeze. And, and they do it slowly. It, it's not fast so that you can get it over with. It's slow, and then they take pictures, and it's a little bit, squeeze a little more. So and, and they say, just let me know when. Like, how much of this agony can you take before you tell me when? Well, the first thing that they do is ask you, have you ever passed out? Have you ever fainted when you've been, you know, gone in for a mammogram? When you're clamped in there, <laughs> I'm like, no, I've I've never, I've never fainted, and so we began the process. And I don't know if it was just because she had suggested it <laughs> that this could happen or what, but 
the more I was squeezed, the more I felt like I was going to pass out. And they make you stand to do it. So you're holding Are on. Are you to kidding this. me? I am not kidding you. They make you stand and that you are holding on to this, these two bars while they squeeze the hell out of you. And she could tell I was getting pale. And she said, are you okay? And I said, just take the picture. Take the picture. Take the picture. Were you just trying, no, to, no. trying to be brave and strong? Yes. And it's like, you know, I can do this. I, I can, I'm, I'm a, well, I was going to say I'm a man, but I can do this. I don't think a man could handle that. No, neither can a man handle childbirth. <laughs> okay. Well, we can't do it. So that's out of the question. So you're standing there. Yeah. And and she sees I'm pale, and she keeps asking me, are you going to be okay? Yes. Take the picture. Take the picture. Just take it. You know? And then I said, I'm going to pass out. And so she unclamped me, and I fall down. And I'm thinking, oh, my God. What if I would have passed out while I was still clamped up in that thing, and I would have been hanging there? Okay, so a whole bunch of th- whole bunch of things are going through my mind. First off, the first thing that went through my mind was the Tarzan yell, oh, as you're swinging there. The second, oh, that's the second, terrible. The second thing is that it was more than your ego that got deflated. Yeah. It was. <laughs> they yes. squished your biscuits. <laughs> Both of them. Oh, my goodness. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so the next few years after that happened to me, they would bring a wheelchair <laughs> and the, that would lift up high enough. Why didn't they do that the first time? I don't know. I don't Why don't under- they do that all the time for everybody? I, you know, right? Good night, nurse. <laughs> so... Everybody, now when you look at my picture, that's what you're going to visualize, right? <laughs> Me hanging there. Ah. <laughs> uh. But my cupcake was punched, oh, and my. my biscuits were squished. were squished. And your ego deflated. Exactly. Oh boy. <laughs> oh, that just I just cringe thinking about it's that. It's awful. It's hey, you can think about other places that men could be checked <laughs> where they might pass out and hang. So <laughs> another visual. <laughs> kind of harkens back to that bank robber with the wiener. I know. <laughs> oh god. Oh man. And there you go. <laughs> TMI. TMI, but funny, but very funny. So, um another one that I have is when I went to college, I was really intent on playing basketball there. I'm 6 foot 5, and in high school I dominated. I played center. Uh it was a small school and a small league. I played center and uh, down in the paint and I was really, really successful, and our team did really well that year. And I thought, okay, you know, this is my thing. I had been recruited for football uh, by other places, but I thought, no, basketball's my thing. I want to do that. So I get to school, and it's a, a small, you know, not, not a small college, but, um, you know, it's not like a major university. It's not a D1 yeah, type thing. Yeah, but it's thing. a well-known college. Oh, it is a well-known college. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I go out, and they obviously didn't recruit me. So I should that should have been one of my first clues. But I was just adamant because I was so good, and I could dunk the ball like nobody's business. And I was just really good, and I was real confident that I was going to really help this team out too. And so I walk on the court first day of practice. And there's the center standing there, and I look at him, and I walk over, and 
I'm stretching my neck and looking upward, and this dude is seven foot two compared to my six foot five. And in that instant, my cupcake was smashed to smithereens because I realized, oh crap, there's no way I'm going to compete, you know, from a physical stature standpoint like that. Mm -hmm. And so they ended up, and I, I did stay on the team, they ended up putting me at a forward. But the thing is, being a center my whole basketball career, basically, I never developed an outside shot. I didn't have real great ball handling skills. Mm -hmm. And so it was like, you know, after a year, it's like, why bother? You know, so deflated. You know, here I was you know, a little on the cocky side coming out of high school, and uh, my expectations were pretty high. And, you know, somebody popped that bubble. Seven foot two, dude. Yikes. Yep. He punched my cupcake. So. So I've got, let's see, I've got another one. I had this college friend. I'm, <laughs> I'm doing quotes because <laughs> I don't know that a friend would really do this to you. But um, she was taking a psychology class and she came home one day and was so just all about herself. And. She opened her psychology book in front of me and she said, I did some reading in my psychology class. And she showed me that there was this list. There were two sides. There was one list of names and then a another list of names. And it was names of people who tend to be attractive and names of people who are ugly. And my name was on the ugly side. I was on oh, the ugly no. list. She could not wait to tell me that I was on the ugly list. And she couldn't wait to tell everybody else that I was on the ugly list. And what? I can laugh about why, it. Why is there even a list like that? That <laughs> just makes no, no sense. idea at all. I was a little speechless. <laughs> and it really hurt my feelings at the time. Yeah. yeah I mean, I was pretty devastated because I was, I was quiet minded my own business yeah you know why was she picking on me why would she even say that yeah is something on my chin no i had <laughs> i had an itch on my chin oh you keep doing that with your chin so i'm i'm like what's on my face so no, I, i'd be more obvious i'd be going something like <laughs> okay okay whatever and of course that's it's a visual our listeners can't see but but you, anyway that yeah yeah, yeah that yeah. happened she punched my cupcake made me feel ugly <laughs> i don't know she must have not felt very good about herself no no and you know a lot of times that's that's what you know behavior like that can be so yeah i think um you know getting more serious here now one of the biggest times my cupcake was punched was when i found out that my partner at the time had been unfaithful to me Mm -hmm. and talk about a massive wallop, you know, that, that instant. And I know you've experienced that as well. Yes. And, you know, to me, that's more than a cupcake getting punched. That's the demolition of the bakery. Exactly. You know, and uh, that, uh, that, that obviously we've talked about some of that in other podcasts. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but that's, that's talk about, you know, just taking the wind out of you. Yeah, in one, in one sentence, when it comes to that, my life changed forever. In one sentence, me and my kids, yeah. our lives changed forever. Yeah. And then 
he was sorry for it. I think he regretted it, and he was trying to do little things to get me back. So I punched his cupcake. Well, you know, (laughs) and that's interesting because we are not clean. We are not pure when it comes to just getting our cupcakes punched. No. We, and by we, I mean everybody in the world punches somebody else's cupcake yeah. at some time, whether intentional or unintentional or even mm-hmm. unknown to them sometimes too. You know, going back to college and somebody, you know, learning something new. I, I've always been intrigued by this. You know, people learn something new and they think, you know, now they're enlightened and they share it with everybody. Uh, when I was in college, sat down uh, for lunch in the cafeteria with a group of guys and one guy was just, he was kind of an egotistical guy to start with and he was in his philosophy class and he said that he had just read that so-and-so philosopher said something to the effect that whatever the majority of the people think is generally wrong and so I simply asked him well what if the majority of people believe what you just said Whoa. <laughs> and he, he goes, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I, I think he left the table. I, but, you know, I, I kind of punched his cupcake in doing that. So. Yeah. But there's well, other times when I punch. I mean, you, I'm sure you have too. I did. So. I was going to say oh, I, okay. I punched his cupcake after he, right. in one sentence, he just uprooted me and the kids. And so he was sorry. And I think he was trying to get in good favor with me again which would have never happened because there was infidelity and that's that but he called me up on a Thursday and just kind of acted like he wanted to visit which I didn't really want to visit with him at all and he says to me well what are your plans for this weekend and there was this long silence and I said well that would be none of your business (laughs) And he lost it. He said, I don't even know you anymore. <laughs> and he's just carrying on. And I said, you never did. Just shut him down cold. Shut him down. Yeah. It wasn't going to happen. He was expecting you to just give in to him or, mm-hmm. you know, give him what he wanted. And yeah. Shut or, him that down. wasn't going to happen anymore. <laughs> and I think that the smear campaign, we've talked about that. Yeah. And that, that happens. And it's happened to me. And I think that that's, my cupcake was punched that way because I I honestly thought that the truth would just come out, but right. I was not campaigning anything. I was just staying quiet. Yep. And it really punches your cupcake when you know the truth and other people believe the person's lies. I've I've had that feeling. I know that feeling exactly. Yeah, like your abused mind thinks, well, the truth is going to come out. They're going to know what he did or she did or whatever. Because it's the truth and that's what... Right. Yeah. But But it it doesn't. doesn't. No. It doesn't come out usually. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, you know, anytime you hold an expectation, Mm -hmm. you're setting yourself up for disappointment. That's something that I learned through years of therapy. Trying to find my way through, navigate the decision to get a divorce or not. Mm -hmm. And my therapist was really good about this. And she would say, don't attach yourself to outcomes, meaning don't have expectations. You know, put something out there and see what happens. Observe. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, sometimes when what I would do is I would, what my therapist would call, extend an olive branch. 
she said, Chad, you're extending that olive branch not to expect anything that's going to happen because I was really good at that. I would try to say something or do something with the expectation that my partner at the time would react a certain way or do mm. something or say something. I was the same way. Yeah. And so what she said is you don't attach yourself to that outcome. What you do is you can put that out there as an olive branch and then you observe what happens. And so in that way, your cupcake, my cupcake was continuously getting punched because the response I got was not what I wanted or what I was expecting or what I was hoping for. And so, you know, there's, there's this detachment from outcomes that, that needs to happen when you get into some heavier expectations around things. You know what I've done to detach myself too is that I don't call somebody my ex. I know most people do, and that's fine. Yeah. It's just that when I say that, I feel like I'm, I still have ownership the word of my that person implies, in some sort of way. Yes, the word my implies yeah. some connection. It's like my shirt. Yeah. You know, it it's, just kind of punches me in, in my own gut if I say that. Ooh. It feels icky. It feels, yeah. There you go when you punch your own cupcake. Yeah. I've got a story about that, actually, that I can share. Uh, This was uh, during my drinking time, and uh, I don't mean between, like, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. Because my drinking drinking time was any time of the day. Uh, you know, I, I, I will say that and I, I joke about it, but this is a very serious thing. Yeah. No, but uh, my story is around the first time that I went through treatment. I had gotten a DUI and I went through outpatient treatment and got through the treatment and I was sober for a year. And after years of drinking, to be sober for a year without any falter mm-hmm. was amazing, which is it's a huge deal. And I came up to my year anniversary and uh, even past that. And then I started to get cocky. And I started to rely too much on my ego. And I decided that the reality of me is that I'm just a normal drinker, or I can be a normal drinker, that I'm just, you know, somebody who just got kind of caught up in this and it just got out of control. Now that it's under control, I can actually drink normally again. And so I had a beer. I know. And uh, my daughter actually caught that and said something about she didn't think that I should be drinking anything. And I just, you know, dismissed it. She said that to my then wife who said something to me. And I said, well, I can handle it. You know, I had communion at uh, (laughs) communion. Oh, no. At church. Yeah. You're using church? (laughs) <laughs> well, that's the thing. I I accidentally, quote unquote, accidentally took the little little cup of wine instead of the the grape juice, which I had been doing for the year prior. Mm-hmm. So after that beer, I went downhill very quickly and really really punched my cupcake because my ego got in my way. And as I examined that, as I explored that, I realized that there were two reasons. Well, one reason that I I relapsed big time and it just sent me into this spiral that was just horrible but the reason was that after the year I started getting cocky because I started to rely on myself and not my higher power so I I tried to take back control of my life but what was your higher power I know power? And that's the that's the deal so when I got into treatment a number of years later as I reflected back on that experience and why I relapsed I realized that while I had been saying that my higher power was God, 
the universe, whatever, you know, whatever variation of that kind of uh, entity that, that you, you might think about wasn't really my higher power at the time. What I realized was that when I got cocky after that year, it was timed exactly to the day when I got off of probation for my DUI. So oh, my higher wow. power at the time was my probation. And then I got cocky, and I didn't want to believe that I was alcoholic. I was playing the game for the year with myself. And so I screwed myself over. I punched my own cupcake Yeah. in, in that scenario. So And we all do. And we all do. We all get our cupcakes punched. We all have punched somebody else's cupcake. Well, you know, and in a way, when, when you have expectations about outcomes, you're setting yourself up to get your cupcake punched. Yeah, well you know, said. In, in things that you can't control. Mm-hmm. Now, did you have an example that you wanted to share? Because I have no. one, too. Oh, go Okay, go so, so along those lines of, of having these expectations that, you know, something is going to happen or not happen in a way that, that you, ex- well, expect to. That's why we call them <laughs> expectations, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I had uh, an open position. I, I, was, I was a supervisor at a place. And I had an open position, and there was an internal candidate who was in a role that was very similar to what I was hiring for. She came and she interviewed, and in the interview, she actually said, well, I know this job. I worked on your team before you got here. She said, I feel like a shoe-in. The thing is, what she didn't know was some things that I knew about her past work performance you know doing my due diligence for an internal person I do ask around Mm -hmm. and uh, I I had my own direct experience with how she operated and in the workplace and I knew probably in advance of that interview that she wasn't going to be the person I would hire because of these certain things and I I followed through with the interview out of a professional courtesy, but also to see, you know, to validate what I was thinking. And in the end, I ended up not hiring her, and she was absolutely livid. And uh, I had, you know, I had burst her bubble. I punched her cupcake. But she was the one responsible for having that expectation. Yeah, she kind of punched her own cupcake. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even before she applied for the job, she had punched her own cupcake by past behaviors and performance issues that, that she had had. So, mm-hmm. so you know, there's, I mean, there's so many different ways cupcakes can get punched, you know, literally, figuratively. Yeah. Um, all of that. Um, did you have anything, uh, any other additional? I just have a quote. Okay. One of the hardest things to do is squaring the hatred I was subjected to with the idea that I am worthy of love. Everyone's worthy. Punch cupcakes and all. And there you go. That's a wrap.